Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Fusick podcast. We've had a couple weeks off here where we were getting some stuff done, but now we are back in full action here. And uh, I'm your co-host, Craig Miller, always accompanied by the one and only T.J. McGinnis. How you doing, T.J.? I'm doing well, buddy. I'm doing well. We went on our uh, Australian walkabout for a couple weeks, you know, took a little hiatus. There you hiatus, go. I should say. Akarumba, is that what they say there or not? No, I think that uh, might be um, Spanish heritage or uh, Mexican. Not exactly sure. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, well, I know... Uh, we have a guy that I've been working closely with now for a short while, but have been very, very impressed with his energy, with his belief, with his uh, having that little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but doing it in the right way. Just a humble dude, um, works his butt off, and, and has accomplished some great things in a shorter period of time at Colonial. Uh, Aaron Streck, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Aaron is now the state manager, territory manager for the state of Wisconsin. Um, been with the company out in uh, uh, Washington and Alaska, working as the instructor out there under Scott Nielsen for a while. and just done an incredible job. Has already turned things around in Wisconsin a little bit. It's headed in the right direction. So, Aaron, why don't you uh, just kind of tell us a little about you and then also... Give us your Fusick story, man. What what What's your Fusick for everyone who said I couldn't story? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, thank you guys again for, for having me on and, and giving me the time to kind of share my, my story. And thank you for the kind words, Craig. Um, you know, honestly, uh, uh, my, my Fusick story kind of begins at the very beginning almost. Um, you know, I, I was born and raised on a farm in, in Iowa, and uh, that's really where I picked up a lot of the the work ethic that I, I believe um, is one of my stronger qualities. Um, it's kind of instilled into you at, at a young age when, you, when you're born and raised on a farm. You know, we, I remember very candidly getting up in the morning and you'd have anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half of chores to do even before the school bus picked you up out on the farm. And then you'd go to school all day and get back home, get off the bus, and you had another hour and a half of, of chores to do. So you didn't really know any other way. Um, you know, I always joke with, with my friends and, and even more so with the youth uh, anymore. It seems like that if it was, you know, today's day and age, it'd probably can be considered child labor the way they, they worked us when <laughs> we were younger. But, but I tell you what, it, it instilled in me a lot of great qualities. You know, I, again, I just didn't know another way. Uh, we just knew that there was work to be done. It had to be done. And, and we were the ones that were, that were getting to do it. So, um, that's really where a lot of that work ethic came from. And that's kind of, again, one of my stronger suits of what's kind of driven me my whole life. Um, my first job off the farm uh, was, was when I was about 16. I, I took a job scooping hog poop, literally. Um, I would walk down, up and down the aisles of a, uh, of a hog confinement. They're about, oh, I don't know, anywhere from kind of the size of a football field is a good way to picture them. And, and they're usually lined up three or four in a row. So my job was to walk down the middle of the aisles and literally sling hog manure both right and left all around me. And I'd be up to my, my uh, you know, almost my waist in hog manure and just uh, and I would be in my attitude was always, hey, you know what? This this might not be the best job in the world, the most glamorous job. It certainly isn't, but somebody's got to do it. You might as well make the most of it. So I would always, you know, without dating myself here, I would always have my my Walkman attached to my hip with my cassette player <coughs> in it, and uh, I would I would skip up and down the the halls 
just having a blast, scooping hog poop, but I was smiling, I was singing, I was dancing. I mean, if somebody were, would have recorded it, it might have put me in a home because it uh, I'd probably look like a weirdo, but <laughs> that was just always my attitude. I mean, there's there's going to be things you don't always enjoy doing. You might not wake up in the morning and go, boy, that's, I want to go sling some hog crap today, but you know what? Again, if you have a good attitude about it, those those things that might not be your favorite definitely aren't as bad depending on how you look at them. So that's another early life lesson I learned maybe when I was 16 years old because I, uh, I've had a few of those kind of jobs um, in my past. Luckily, to a point now where I actually love what I'm doing, but it took me a while to get there. Um, but anyway, started off uh, again going back when I was younger. I, I always had a love for being on the radio. Um, started at a real young age. I used to call into a, a radio station and I would record what I basically would record my conversation with that DJ. Uh, I would usually just call in and request a song or two or something like that. And, and I would always record it and I'd play it back and back and back and over and over and over. And, and I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world, recording myself and, and being on the radio. So at a young age, I always knew that I'd probably be on the radio. And that's where it kind of, the fusic part started almost. And it wasn't, this is going to sound bad. My parents were kind of like, yeah, you know, radio, it's not really a job, Aaron. You can't really, it's not really something you can, you know, that's, a, that's more of a fun thing you can do on the side. I said, you know, I don't think that's accurate. I think I can make a job out of this. And so I, uh, I went to actual college to be a radio DJ and uh, got my degree in radio broadcasting, got a job and, you know, credit my parents and, and those around me a little bit because there's certainly not a whole lot of money to be made in radio. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely loved my time on the radio, but uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of money to be made there. So I, I quickly decided, you know, I got to supplement this radio DJ income a little and I started uh, selling radio advertising, which I'll be honest, if, if you can sell, I almost liken this to people who have ever done door-to-door -door vacuum sales. And I know I've, we've hired a few of those in, in, with Colonial Life family, but um, if you can do that, you can pretty much sell anything. But I would put selling air right up there as well, because that's really literally what I was going around selling. I'd go in and talk to business owners and say, hey, I want to put you some radio commercials on the radio. What do you think about that? And they would literally look at me going, so you're really here selling air? Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> so anyway, it was a tough sale, but I quickly learned and got my feet wet with sales. And, and I really learned again early on that sales is, you know, it's it's not really that hard. It's a conversation. Go tell somebody that you can help them do something and, and maybe make their business a little bit better. And, and that's really all a sale is. And that's kind of what we're doing nowadays with, with Colonial as well, just having conversations with business owners and telling them how we can help their business, help their employees and change some lives and and things are good. But um, anyway, I keep jumping forward and backwards. But uh, my first radio job, I was 17 years old, and I met a guy that you guys probably know well. Um, Al Ryder was the news director at the radio station in my hometown of Iowa Falls, Good old Al. Yep. Good old Al. Yep, good old Al Ryder. Yep. But um, anyway, he uh, was almost been a mentor and a, and a leader that I've looked up to for years, going back to when I was 17 years old. Um, he, he really kind of he taught me the ropes, I guess, so to speak, of sales, because he's always just been a, a fantastic guy, and he's done a lot of different sales in his life. But, um, uh, yeah, that's that's when I met Al all those years ago, when I was a 17-year-old little kid, and <laughs> he actually recruited me to be the lead singer of his of his uh, rock band at the time, too. He had a couple guys. That no, did, he uh, did I called that's it. That's awesome. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, I had, I had, he actually, they did old fogey rock is what I called it back then. It was uh, classic rock from the 70s and stuff, and here I am, this 17-year-old kid who wasn't even around or even thought of back when this music was popular. And here I am singing it as a 17-year-old leading a group of a bunch of 40-year-olds. It was kind of funny. But anyway, 
That's where I met Al. And, it's called and really, being eclectic. That's right. That's, that's right. a nice word. And he right? really. That's right. Well, yeah, it's that's a ta- that is a big well, word. You okay? To, to its credit, it's a town in Alabama. So I've heard it my whole life. And then <laughs> okay. Somebody told me what it actually It's actually a word, not just a town. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, anyway, he I really credit Al for kind of bringing me out of my shell, too, to be honest. Um, yeah. Big kudos to him because I was kind of a. Uh, I wasn't real, I've never been real shy, that's something nobody's ever really accused me of, but I also wasn't real outgoing at the time as a 17-year-old kid either. He really brought me out of my shell and kind of molded me into into the guy I am today, or started to anyway. But um, anyway, back to, to where I was, getting my degree in radio, had a wonderful 12 years on the radio, sold some radio advertising, and, and then walked a guy one day who was the manager of a car dealership, and I was going to record his radio spots, his airtime. Uh, commercials for his dealership and over the time doing that it was probably two three years he, he would come in and do that just about every week like clockwork and um, I, he kept kind of put the bug in my ear that hey man you should try car sales car sales is where it's at and all this stuff and I kind of go nah, I don't think I ever want to do that but appreciate it and well he kept putting the bug in my ear and eventually I, I did make the the leap to car sales and then I really got my feet wet with what sales was all about and this kind of brings in a lot more of my fusic as well because I quickly became very good at, at doing the car sales thing, and um, I even brought in a few people that I wasn't really supposed to be managing, but just as, as things kind of worked out, they kind of looked to me to be their leader. They had never sold anything in their life and had no idea what they were doing, and I took them under my wing and showed them the way. And of course, a little bit of me when I was younger was a little, little cocky in my youth, you could say, so I also felt like I maybe deserved a title or something, and that's really all I was after when I was younger and dumber, but... Um, I just went to my manager and I said, hey, I'm kind of leading these guys already. Why don't you make me a car man- a sales manager? And he laughed, literally laughed, and said, no, you're, you're way too young. That'll never happen. You're going to have to be in this business years and years and years before that's going to happen. And so that kind of, again, just fueled that fire a little bit that Craig alluded to earlier. And, and I said, all right, well, that's, that's the way it is. Then I guess I'll, I'll continue doing what I'm doing and, and prove you wrong. And, and I did just that. Eventually, not even a year later, um, I recruited, <laughs> believe it or not, five or six other people to car sales and pretty soon I had a team of about nine or ten people that were answering to me and I still I didn't even have a title they would just come to me before they'd ever go to the actual GM of the company and that really kind of made him a little upset you could say uh, his Monday morning meetings I always laugh because we'd have Monday morning meetings um, in the car sales world as well but they're completely different than what we do with Colonial and I and I liken a lot of that to just just better leadership, better people, quite frankly, than, than this guy was. So he, he was, his Monday morning meetings were, were a very demotivating thing. He would come in and basically just scream at us about how much we, how, how horrible we all were. <laughs> and I tell you what, if you've ever worked for people like that, that's not a very good way to motivate people to want to do anything for you. That basically just shut us all down and we just kind of said, well, let's go into another one of Jeff's meetings. We'd all look at our watch and go, here we go again, another demotivating Monday morning meeting. So that really made me go, I'll never be that guy. I'll never, ever be that guy. I'm going to be polar opposite of him. I'm going to come in. I'm going to fire up the troops. I'm going to rally everybody and, and make it a fun thing. Because again, this can be, it is what you make it. You know, it's always been, it always will be. And and I decided, you know, even back then that that was never going to be me. So anyway, that's kind of, uh, and there's another guy that my fusic fueled my fire. Just never said I'd ever could be a sales manager or ever, ever really, you know, progress my career unless I've been doing it 40, 50 years. He, he almost made it seem like the only way you could get there is purely longevity. <laughs> so 
that kind of fueled me even more and, and kind of got me, uh, got me off the ground and running, so to speak. But, and now here I am all these years later. I actually left um, that car dealership to go work for Al. Al recruited me to Colonial Life as well and all those years ago. And, and he was actually an ADM at the time back in Iowa Falls, and, and I joined his team and got a little bit of the taste of what Colonial had to offer, and, and I loved it. I mean, I, I really enjoy the lives that we change and helping people, and, and another thing, too, real quick, just to add, I, I remember going home at night after selling a car, and it would be 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night some nights, and I would start at 7 a.m. I mean, it was all day, every day, even weekends included of that, and I just never felt good about it. I'd lay my head down on my pillow, and I'd just sit there and go, what did I do today? You know what I did is I sold a piece of metal to somebody and made way too much money off of it. It's what I did, you know, and that right. just didn't sit right with me. After a while, I just, man, it really didn't sit right with me. So I made the jump, went to Colonial, and, and never really went back to Cars. Cars was kind of a over at that point because I really went to bed at night with the, working with Colonial, and I felt really darn good about what I did during the day, you know, changing lives, helping people, and making the world a better place, hopefully all in one. So it was a good thing, and I've been with Colonial now for... Uh, well, I second go around here since I got to Washington, Alaska in 2016, and things have just been going real well, and now here I am in Wisconsin, and actually right now, some of you are probably very familiar with the hotel I'm staying in uh, here in Columbia in our home office. I'm going to some training this week, and I'm staying at the Hilton Columbia Center. I'm sure you two have stayed at this hotel many a time. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. What, what's your training? Uh, we're actually doing the Pathway to Leadership Excellence. This is the second phase of of this training. Awesome. And I tell you what, if it's anything like the first, it's going to be outstanding. Uh, big kudos to Colonial and, and everybody who, who puts us through this stuff because they really, really give back. And Nick Elsey is just a, a fantastic trainer for this uh, this this Pathway to Leadership Excellence program. So. Is Twigo with you? No, he's no, not. not. Yeah, I think he might have been in that first one. Okay. Um, well, I would like to thank, uh, I believe his name was Jeff, for being a schmuck and, and helping yeah, right? come on our board. Come on our side, so that's awesome. Thanks, Jeff, for being a smuck. Yep. Right? <laughs> Agreed. I hope, hope you're listening, buddy. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't. No. No way. No. He, he's, 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 he's too good for that stuff. No, it'd be... Um, anyways, Jeff, good luck to you, buddy. All the best. All right. But, uh, that's, a, that's a great story. So you, then you came on board with it as an ADM, uh, and then from there you progressed and moved and... And uh, moved into the instructor role? Yeah, I yeah. went out to Washington, Alaska, as luck would awesome. have it. Al, again, was was out there, and he kind of, at the time, I was working for a different company, actually, and he said, hey, I was talking about getting ready to travel and do some training. I, ironically, I was doing training, but with a different company. And and um, he said, hey, why don't you come out to Seattle and check out this, and you come back to Colonial Life. And I definitely piqued my interest because I, again, had a great time with Colonial Life the first time around. I thought, yeah, I'd come out and entertain that idea and had to kind of talk the wife into maybe moving to Seattle. We were living in Iowa at the time, so it was a bit of a move, but uh, she was on board. She had family out there, and she was real happy to go out and give it a shot. So Awesome. We well, did, and we had a great time out there, and, and the rest is kind of history, as they say. Well, that's great, I, and more importantly, I'd like to thank Al. This is a, pr a perfect tribute to uh, always keeping keeping close tabs with people who you, th you feel are special out there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. Good job, Al. Good job, Miller. Yeah, exactly. On this, uh, <laughs> Scott, because uh, Aaron, you got a big career with Colonial. Yeah, I'm hoping so, man. I'm, I'm yep. thinking I'm going to be here for a long time. I love what I do. I love the people I get to do it with, and and uh, yeah, if I have anything to say about it, I'm I'm definitely going to be around for quite a while. So, 
Yeah, Aaron, one of the things that really stood out to me about your story was when you talked about how much you learned from the leader that you wanted to be nothing alike. I mean, we, we can say we want to, but that guy provided just as much value to you as probably a lot of people you've worked with or worked for because it taught you what not to do. Um, I've, definitely, I've definitely looked back and I've had I've had those type of leaders or bosses or whatever in my career. I'll tell you what, I think I've learned just as much from them about what not to do as I have from anybody else about what to do. And the key is you got to turn it just like you did when you were shoveling hog poop and you decide to make a good time out of it and you're going to make the best out of it. It's all about your attitude, right? And if you go into it, I mean, I had a baseball coach one time that couldn't throw a baseball from second to first base and he was trying to yell at us and tell us that we were doing things wrong. And, you know, my smart ass would always be like, well, why don't you throw me the ball? Like, you can't even do anything that we're asking <laughs> us to do. You know, and it just kind of was like, I never respected the guy. Nobody respected him. And so even if what he was saying was right, we didn't respect them. So we weren't going to listen to him. You know, and, and I think that happens a lot with leaders is what they're saying might be right. You guys might not have sold enough the week before. You might not have done the things that you were supposed to do completely. But nobody respected the guys. So nobody wanted to believe them. And, and in part where – the type of leader I see you as and the type of leader that I strive to be is, you know, be positive, be the biggest cheerleader for your team. And then when those times come that you do need to have those harsh conversations, they'll listen and they'll respect you for having them because they know that you're doing it to make them better. You're not just doing it so you can feel like a, a cool guy, and a, you know, a, a, somebody that's coming down on them and all that kind of stuff. So I would, I would encourage anybody that's listening, if you're in a situation that is maybe not ideal and you don't respect your leader, something's going on with that. Take what they're doing and learn from them. There's always something you can take away from, you know, a situation and make it a positive, and, and I think that's what you chose to do. So kudos to you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I couldn't agree more. It's, it's again, the attitude is a, is a big thing. You can, it can be your, your best friend or your worst enemy, it's a, but it's all on you. I mean, you get to wake up and decide what you're going to do that day and what kind of mood you're going to be in. Nobody else gets to determine that. So, exactly yeah, right. That's very that's true. Exactly right. So... Uh, Aaron, a question that we always ask um, every person that we have on here is, if you could go back and, and give the 22-year-old band-leading lead, you know, singer of the of the pop or folk or whatever kind of band you, you guys had. Were you guys named Eddie Tortitelli and Disco Biscuits? There you go. There you go. We certainly were not, no. Oh, I thought maybe you were. Okay. But if... If you could go back and give a 22-year-old Aaron Streck the one one piece of advice, what would it be? You know, and, and you'll you'll laugh at this, Craig, because you tell me this even still today. It's still stump, something I kind of struggle with. But I would tell the 22-year-old me that, you know, again, if, if, if something's stressing you out right now, because I, I always had the weight of the world on my shoulders, and I thought, man, I, I want it now. I, I don't have the patience for this. I want it, I want change now. I want better things happening now. I want to grow now. And I would just say, look, 22-year-old me, I'd say, just just calm down. It's going to be fine. Things are going to work out. Keep doing what you're doing, um, and you'll get there. You know, that's that's probably what I would tell the 22-year-old me because I, I still, even here I am 36 now, and I and I still struggle a little bit with that. And uh, I got to just remember the, the big picture, keep the keep the eyes on the prize, so to speak, and, and just keep chugging forward and plowing forward, and we'll, we'll definitely, definitely get there. So Good. Good, good, good. Would you agree that consistency creates momentum no matter what you're doing? I know that you've recently started to get back in the gym and work out again, and, you know, that's great. And also, uh, you know, anything you do in business, whether it's good or bad, anything that you do, consistency is going to create momentum. So if you do something consistently every day or every week, whether it's good or bad, there's going to be results that show from it. And 
there's no way around that. It's an absolute fact about life and nature and, and humans and whoever. I mean, every, if you do it consistently, there will be momentum that is gained. So I would just remember that. Don't ever lose your sense of urgency, though, Aaron. You know, that's something I think a lot of people do is that they they start to think, oh, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine, so they calm down, which is good sure. that you have that mindset, but you have a sense of urgency, and the greatest leaders, the greatest performers create a sense of urgency on their team because they have a sense of urgency. So even though you know everything's going to be fine, knowing everything's going to be fine and knowing things are going to work out is, is called confidence, Right. But it's also good to have that sense of urgency that you instill in people so that they get up and work a little bit harder than they were going to if you weren't their leader. So that's that's some yep. advice I would I would piggyback off of what you said for sure on there. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. TJ, what you got, man? Man, I'm I'm excited for Wisconsin. Wisconsin has themselves a winner. Good job, guys. Yeah, buddy. I'm All excited sure. about that. It's time to tear it up. Well, Aaron, where can the millions of listeners find you, buddy? What's that? Where can the millions of listeners that we have on the Fusic Podcast find you? Where can they find us? We're in Waukesha, Wisconsin. That's where we are located. No, Waukesha. Man, like social media. <laughs> well, and that's, they wanted and that's to contact funny because... You, they wanted to contact I, you and, and pick your brain. I, LinkedIn is about the only place that I'm available anymore. I, I don't really do much with, with Facebook or, or anything else anymore. That's something I've kind of steered away from in my in my. Old age, so to speak. Yeah, but, um, dude, you're 36, man. I'm 36, too. You're starting to make me feel old, man. You're starting to make me feel old. Man, I mean, feel, I don't feel old. You're ancient. Um, I'm getting, getting uh, uh, white chest hairs now, man. No, it's because you're old. A week ago. I'm not even 30, dude. You guys are when, I fe- when it started hitting me that I'm old is when I, I woke up one day and realized that people that were born when I graduated high school are graduating high school now. So that made me go, you know what? I think it's official now. I'm, oh, I'm older. dude, you're, I'm, yeah, but there are people who who are turning. No, he, uh, he got you know. there. No, I'm you. sorry. <laughs> I had a call coming in. I had a call coming in. So it, <laughs> That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he got you but, there. I was going to say, no, was it 50? People who are turning 50, you were just born. That's there. That's true. <laughs> That's right? true. Wouldn't that be? No. No. We might have to edit be, this your part. math's a little off, but yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, maybe 40, <laughs> 45. All right, all right, we've we've gone down the rabbit hole way too far. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Aaron, appreciate it, buddy. Love you, man. Guys, my name is Craig Miller. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn, um, and we just appreciate you guys listening. TJ, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, just as Josh Wicker says, shout out to Josh Wicker. Uh, at local Walmart, Target, um, there you Ace go. Hardware. So. Hey, guys, go check out the Fusic gear, Fusic.us. Order anything you want on there, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you soon, and we'll, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks. Love y'all. See y'all. Thank you, guys. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't.